Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, this morning I get the uh, privilege of introducing again our senior pastor. He's going to be coming and ministering the word this morning. So, will you please receive him? And uh, show him your appreciation. Amen. doing the offering um, I was just reminded of the whether you want to call it a mindset the reminder that God's been giving me lately you know she talked about um, you know if you're going through some stuff or, or, or you're just tired you don't feel like you have any more to give right we can find those places where we just get exhausted or we get spent or we get frustrated, we get angry. And as as I have hit those places lately, uh, I know it was something I read, I, I couldn't tell you where, other than uh, God's word. Um, but he, he, I know he spoke to me, just left off the page several weeks ago where someone had written... Um, that verse out of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29 where it says take up my yoke upon you and learn from me right I am gentle and humble in heart you will find rest you will find rest for your souls take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls Um, and actually this Skipped a portion of it, so let me go. It's Matthew eleven twenty nine. Because th- this is, I may have mentioned this even a few weeks ago. So if I'm repeating myself, bear with me. This is worth repeating. Matthew chapter eleven. I've got to find there it is Matthew chapter 11 starting in verse 28 come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and anytime I look up and I recognize that my burden is not easy in life, he's saying, hmm, there's a symptom that you have someone else's burden other than mine. You know what I'm saying? Because his yoke is easy in life. And so anytime 
this is it's been a revelation that's just sank into my soul, into my DNA recently. So that it's not that I don't go places, and it's not that I don't pick up my own yoke at times, or even other other people's. But I'm much quicker to recognize than I have ever been in my life. That wait a second. This doesn't feel easy. This doesn't feel like, okay, Jesus, where are you here? So that was free. Jesus, we just praise you. We just give you all glory and honor and adoration. We just declare the name of Jesus over this place and over our hearts once again. Even now, we just want to pick up your yoke and set off anything that's not you. Anything that's not easy in life, Lord, we just lay at your feet right now. We can pick it up with your permission after service, but we just yield everything to you. Father, we just give everything to you. Jesus, we just love you so much. Bless you, Lord. So, a couple of weeks ago, I shared a a word. That I think I entitled the dichotomy of greatness, and it's a really good word. It, it ministered to me. That's why I can say that. Okay. Um, I mean, sometimes that God just gives you revelation, and it's just really good. And I mean, this, this is not true of just my own. I mean, I, I sat and, and Melissa was teaching Thursday night. Oh, this is really good. You know, uh, it's true. Of, it's so fun to listen, to hear the revelation pouring forth from the body of Christ and being able to receive from that. But I gave this word, and at the far ends, if you remember, I didn't have time to throw the picture up. I didn't honestly know fully where I was going this morning. But at the far end was exactly what Apostle Tim was encouraging and exhorting last week about know, it's the book of Acts, right? It means we're called to action. We're called to take the mountains. We're called to go where no man has gone before. If I can borrow from, isn't that Star Trek, right? To boldly go, boldly go where no man has gone before. But at the opposite end of that spectrum was humility, right? And, And it's from that place of humility of laying everything down it's only from that place it's only coupled with that place that we can go and attack those mountains it's only from that place that we can go and and truly um, know that we know that we know we have his intentions and we can just go we go with him it's also another reason or maybe the most important reason, though, that this is so important to, to, to go from a place of humility is because it's the only place where we can see Jesus. 
It's the only place where we can love Jesus from most effectively. I mean, we can see Jesus even when we're prideful. doesn't mean we submit ourselves to him. So, yes, there's that. Um, but we so need Jesus. We so need to love Jesus. And you might say, well, Pastor Fred, it's kind of old revelation. Been there, done that. I know that. I've given my heart to Jesus. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for that. is a book of revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus. And one of the first things he says in chapter 2, and, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but chapter 2 and verse 2. I'm sorry. Chapter 2 and verse 4. But this I have against you, that you have left your first love. See, this is, this is just another... I guess it's an expansion. Maybe it's part two of that dichotomy that we were talking about. Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, let me go back to to verse one. Let's just start from the beginning of that. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, Jesus says this, know that your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that uh, I let me back up. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. Stop right there. Jesus is commending this church for some really good things. He's commending them. He, he, he's not saying you've done the wrong thing. Okay, um, I know your deeds and your toil, that word toil, right, is perseverance even in the face of pain. They have toiled painstakingly over all that God has called them to do and to be. That's a good thing. And Jesus says, this is good. I recognize it. I commend it. This is really good. And he goes on and he says that you cannot tolerate evil men. And later on, down in verse uh Verse 6, he talks about you you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, right? These two things kind of go hand in hand, right? They don't tolerate evil men. Um, The the, uh, Nicolaitans in the Greek, the Greek word is actually broken into two words. Nike, or at least that's how we say it, the shoe, right? Nike, got got the swoosh, which means victory. And the ancient, which means people. So this was a, a school of thought. This was a, a religious system, right? They taught hierarchy, separation, and the exaltation of men, right? The, um, it was a religious system of victory over the people. Not victory through Christ. And they hated it. And Christ says, right on, love it. You're right where you need to be. That's a good thing. See, they're doing all these good things. And they, they're even putting to, to test the apostles. 
They didn't tolerate evil men. They dealt with sin immediately. They didn't dabble in it. Jesus was honoring their willingness to, to, to shun evil. Their doctrine was so clean that they knew who was false and who was not. They were doing good things. And again, Jesus commended them. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, look, your duty, your discipline, your doctrine, excellent. But I have this against you. But I have this against you, that you've left your first love. So let me stop for just a moment. I, I'm, I haven't finished with, I finished the book, but, it, but I haven't finished. I'm still teaching out of this, um, these portions of this are interwoven with this Jesus is Enough by Eric Gilmore. It's an excellent book. Again, I, I commend it to you. It's a great book to recenter. It's a great book to return to your first love if you feel you've left your first love. And I'm not saying anyone here has left their first love. This isn't Pastor Fred doing this. I'm telling you, as I read through this book, I went, oh Jesus, I left my first love. Because you see elements. Again, their duty, their discipline, their doctrine were great. This is quoting from Gilmore. We think that our overcoming is in our discipline, our duty, and our doctrine. We would think that a body of people like these, whose doctrine was clean, whose perseverance is strong, and whose discipline was so uncompromising, were a victorious church. But Jesus shows that these... <laughs> There's a typo that I don't know how to interpret. <laughs> My own. But Jesus shows that they had fallen from the heights of first love. They were missing the kissing, the kisses of Jesus. They had left the first exchange of love, refusing, refusing to quit is far inferior to refusing to look away from him. Refusing to sin is far inferior to refusing to depart from Jesus. Refusing to err is far inferior to actually knowing Him. Even when we have so many things that appear outwardly right, correct, and in order, we can still be inwardly fallen. I am convicted more and more, and the more I see Jesus, that I need to choose Him every day. Distraction is so easy. I, I did a lot of my notes, if you can call them that, yesterday, and I went out just to mow the lawn, okay? I don't know if any of you do that. You, you study and then you just, you've got to process. Sometimes you just got to process with manual labor. And boy, it was hot. That's a sight. But as I'm as I'm mowing the lawn, 
He says, I want you to put on this song. And it's a song that, that you all know. It's, it's He is Exalted. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. And you know the song, right? And I played it. I'm like, oh, I like that song. And he's like, all right, now, I want you to play this other song. It's kind of like it. Similar words. And it's I exalt thee. And put it on. And, and it was like this, this this exchange going on in between that I'm trying to explain. So I, I put on I exalt thee. You know that song? I exalt thee. <clears throat> I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Oh Lord, I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. And as I was playing that, I played it again and again. And then ironically, won up on the Waymaker. So a good choice this morning. But I, I just, I just worship it as I, as I mowed the lawn. But in that exchange, he's like, "Do you see the difference? One is speaking truth, absolute truth. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise Him." One, the other one exalts him. The first one is not a bad song. I love it. We'll continue to sing it. Don't stop. Right? But there's a subtle shift that can take place. There's the subtle shift of, of knowing truth, having good truth, versus walking in that truth. Which is loving Jesus, exalting Jesus. Lifting the name of Jesus high and above everything that, that, that we own, everything that we have, everything that we are. I find myself praying this more and more on a daily basis. Jesus, just be exalted in this place. Jesus, be high and lifted up. Let the name of Jesus be high and lifted up in this place. Why? Because he's not? No, because I need the reminder. I need the reminder. Who I am, where I come from, who He is. Because I can't see clearly from any other position than that, that position of, of love or love sickness for Jesus. And I recognize too that I'm, I'm trying to describe something that hits everybody all over the map when it comes to your love for Jesus, okay? Our love for Jesus. Um, we, we all have experienced it differently. Not necessarily greater or lesser, just, just differently. Um, 
And there are, uh, there are some, there are many, uh, hopefully all of you who have ex- totally experienced his, his presence, his love. You felt it. You've done more. It's more than just head knowledge, but it's, it's heart knowledge, right? On some level, you've experienced that. And if not, I, I pray that you have more. But I was struck as I was listening. So, so Eric writes this book and it's, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, you're, you're, you are enough. You are more than enough. And he's writing poetry and, and, and all these things. And it's wonderful. It's a great reminder. And then his wife comes in at the end. I love it. And his wife, I'm going to read you just a little bit of what she wrote. But I love her candidness. Jesus alone, a word from Eric's wife. Okay? And I'm not going to read you the whole thing. If you if you want to read more of it, you're welcome. I'll let you borrow it when I'm done with it. But I'm going to read it again. Because it's really ministered to me. Well, she starts here. The majority of Christians today hold the notion that Jesus is not enough. They attend church regularly, attend all the conferences, read their Bibles and pray. But deep down there's a dissatisfaction. They don't give too much attention because it's easy to fill themselves with other things. They keep going to church, they keep praying, or they keep on doing what they've been doing. Never fully coming into the reality and fullness of what is available to them in their relationship with Jesus and what should be their normal Christian life. I can say these things because I was one of those people. I am. I agree with her. I grew up in church. Church life was all I knew. We went on Sundays, youth group on Wednesdays, and obviously we went on Easter and Christmas. I used to stand there during praise and worship, and the lyrics to the song would be displayed on a huge screen for everyone to read and sing along. I would sing them and think, I don't feel this way about God. Where is this joy? Where is this healing? Let me stop right there for a moment. You know it's okay to have those feelings? I mean, you feel what you feel. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There were people waving flags, raising their hands, and dancing around. To me, it was normal, sometimes a little weird, (laughs) but it was all I knew. I began to question things. I personally did not have any sort of connection to Jesus to experience things like unspeakable joy or peace that passes all understanding. I had a good life with good parents, and even though things weren't perfect, I was pretty content. I did feel conviction and I did pray in my heart that Jesus was real and and he was the son of God. And I did ask him to come into my heart and to be Lord of my life. I believe I was saved. I read my Bible and it always frustrated me and quite honestly bored me. Can anyone else relate to that? You don't have to raise hands. Okay, but you do. It's all right. That's, That's honest. You know, knowing where you're at is half the battle. And just being able to admit that. 
I'm not really much of a reader to begin with, but I knew reading the Bible was something I had to do. Because, you know, I'm a Christian. But when I read it, there were no deposits of life or explosions of joy inside due to the Holy Spirit revealing life-changing truth in my spirit. It was black and white, sometimes red words on the page going into my eyes. If I was lucky, I remembered... If I was... <laughs> I was lucky if I remembered anything after reading. I prayed. I prayed and I prayed. I asked for things. I prayed for God to protect my family, my friends. I did a lot of talking. When I was done with my exhaustive list of requests, I said, in Jesus' name, Amen. Listen, I even went to the Brownsville Revival and experienced some of the craziest encounters with God. I was filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. But even then, deep down inside, everything I did and said and believed was in hopes that it was all true. I did not have consistent fellowship with Jesus. What does that even mean? Fellowship with Jesus. The definition of fellowship is friendly relationship, companionship. I did not have a friendly relationship with Jesus. I couldn't consider him a companion. A companion is someone you you a companion is someone you are frequently in the company of. Was Jesus in my heart? Sure. Yeah. Was he my best friend? No. Was he the lover of my soul? No. Was he the joy of my life? Definitely not. Was he enough? No. I'm so grateful that I eventually came to terms with my dissatisfaction in Jesus. I began to say to him, Jesus, I want to know you. The real you. The organic you. Strip away all the things that have been embedded in me that are not of you. I just want to know who you are. I prayed this for years. I began to see that I didn't really know him. I struggled with condemnations and feeling and feeling like I couldn't ever do enough. I felt like something was wrong with me because I wasn't in love with Jesus. I mean, I was glad that he came and died and I was thankful for all that he had done for me. But when I said, I love you, it felt wrong because I wasn't sure I felt that way. How should it feel when you truly love Jesus? Is it like loving your family? You just automatically love them because you're blood relatives? Do you love him like a fr- like you love a friend? Do you love him like you love your spouse? How does it even look or feel like when you love Jesus? I had all these questions and I wanted truly wanted to be free from them, constantly feeling heavy, frustrated concerning Jesus, church, and all things religious and or spiritual. Being married to Eric, someone like Eric, who prayed all the time, and had this drive to always go and pray and read the Bible was so weird to me. I thought, ugh, I don't even know how he does it. I'd go crazy. Eric understood intimacy with Jesus. 
He had come to know and love Jesus in a way I had. I didn't really think I could get there, honestly, because I had zero grit in my own life for that kind of love for Jesus. So how did I come to the place where I could say to you and actually mean it that Jesus is enough? Well, God began to answer the cry of my heart. When I talked to God, I talked to him very candidly and honestly. He knows the core of our hearts anyway, so there's no need to dress up our words. He wants your ugly. He wants your honesty. He wants your everything. Jesus loves the ugliest part of me. He loves the most backwards part of you and I. All of our imperfections, all of our failures. He doesn't love that we fail, but he's not doing this. He's not wagging his finger at us. He's going, that's all right, because I've designed you to overcome you're going to see right now just fix your eyes on me just fix your eyes on me it's a love that boggles the mind it's what we're after it's only from that point that we that we can take them out. Listen, we can do acts. We, we talked about this. But we don't have to do it with Jesus. But yet, when we start with Jesus, the acts are the natural outflow of that relationship. Colossians are big when they come. If you've been around, uh, you've probably heard them say, always start with identity. Identity comes first. And and then we move into the acts, right? You know, who, who you are before it's what you do. You have to get solidified in that first. What's the first command? First commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your might. And Jesus said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I see identity as love your neighbor as yourself. It's that love of self. When I can love the amazing man of God that he's made then I have the love that, that that my neighbor needs. But that's not the first commandment. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And it's only from that place that identity can truly be discovered. Otherwise, it's backwards. 
We've, we've got to pursue Him. And again, this is not condemnation or saying you're not doing enough. Okay? There's nothing of that that is intended in my words. This is... I love... And I get weepy when I look at Him. And... I recognize how quickly I look away from him. I'm excitable. Okay? If if you don't know me well, when I get a truth, when something comes across my eye that really that really gets me, I'm gone. I'm there. You know, and, and I think many of you are like that as well. You know, squirrel, there it is. Right? It, it's the Jesus it's the, it's usually the Jesus squirrels that come along. Look at that revelation. Oh my gosh, that's just amazing. Oh my gosh, God, look what you're doing over there. Oh God, I want to be a part of that. And my head is turned so quickly and so easily sometimes. That's why I have to choose every single day. Wait a second. Lord, that's wonderful. But would you turn your gaze on that? Because I want to look at that. And he's teaching me to say no. You wait for me. Or there are some days he says, no, let's look at it together. That is really cool. I'm still learning that. This is the normal Christian life. John chapter 15. John 15, verses 1 through 4. I'll let you find that. I need a little something. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Um, I've been using various versions recently. Amplify the Passion. Um, I, I love, as you know, the NASB, especially for clarity and Precision. But John 15, starting in verse 1, I am the true sprouting vine, and, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me. I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Acts apart from Jesus are fruitless. I'm emphasizing what Apostle Tim was saying. I'm just taking another facet, right? I'm not bringing in any correction here because I know this is his heart. This is what God's put on my heart to, to, to pull out. Because it's true. We need to walk in those acts. The world needs us to. You want to hear something that, honestly, when I got up this morning... Um, again, 
Normally, I'm the one going squirrel. This morning, he said, I want you just to praise. Just praise. Just start with that. Just praise. So, so I just went into worship. <laughs> and as I did, he says, all right, I want you to look here. I want you to look here. Oh, hey, look how this connects over here. Oh, my gosh. Look how this. Did you ever consider this? They started me in the book of Revelation. So I can't share with you all the popcorn that came out of that time, but it's kind of fun when he's the one doing squirrel, right? Uh, I couldn't get it all down. Um, I want to go and I want to, to look even more. The book of Revelation, it's an interesting book. It's, it's, it's an amazing book. And it begins with a phrase that, that says, Blessed is he who reads this book. It doesn't say he who understands Okay, And I'm not saying there's no blessing in understanding either. But there's blessing in simply reading the book. There are so many layers. But, but in recent history, for the last century or so, the, the church has shifted focus to what, what they're calling end times. Right? They've shifted to this thing where Jesus is returning. Come back, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we need you. You're going to take us all up. You're going to take us out of this mess. Then you're just going to clean it up. And if you've been around here any length of time, you know that that's not our focus. You know that that's not how we read the book of Revelation. But as he took me there this morning, I want you to, if you're following, if you want to follow, go to Revelation 22. And I could go for the next hour, but I'm not going to. I might share more of this in a few weeks, okay? I want to end with this. I want to maybe whet your appetite for this. I am coming to believe more and more. Even the parts of, of the book of Revelation, which I did not understand previously, which always seemed to be some distant time after Jesus physically returned, seem to be after this this whatever happened. I'm not going to get into all of that. I don't know that I could. But I used to believe it was always way future. Now I'm believing he's speaking about something that's, that's happening right now. He's speaking of something that happened at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus being seated on the, on the right hand of God. Something that happened after he died and resurrected. Something that, that they knew and experienced from the book of Acts forward. Even in Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and from the land. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life. There were multiple trees of life. Not just two, one on this side, one on that side. When you study out that word, it speaks of trees. There were trees of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were... For the healing of the nations. Let me ask you this. If Jesus has returned. He's on his white horse. He's taken us all up. He's done his thing. 
Why do the nations need healed? If it's not for not, why? Listen to this. Look, we're called to destroy the works of the devil, right? We're called to bring healing. We're called to bring restoration. Restoring hearts, pursuing dreams. We're called to do the work of restoration, right? Doesn't this sound like us bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month? The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. They will no longer be... There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, his name, and his name will be on their foreheads. Interesting. Thursday night. Side note. Squirrel. Sorry. (laughs) And there will no longer be any night, and they will have no need of the lamp, of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the, the Lord God will illumine them. They will reign forever and ever. We think of that as, oh, the sun's going in. No, you have light in you. You don't have need of light because everywhere you go, the darkness disperses. That's by design. (laughs) Come on, this is a revelation of who you are. If it is the revelation of Christ Jesus and Christ lives in you, in me, in the church, come on. This is the revelation of the body of Christ. It's the revelation of the bride. And I could go back to Revelation chapter 21. I could go back to 18, 19 where it speaks of the bride. And it talks of the bride as the temple. But it's, it's using the illustration of the temple to describe the bride. That's us. That's you and me. The bride's still around. It speaks of the need for the bride. If the bride's been taken up, what's the need? You, you look there. It talks of evil men being there. And of the bride being there. Come on. Yes. All the more we need Jesus. All the more we need to know His love. All the more, we need to set our eyes singularly upon Him with an unswerving gaze. I don't know how that looks for you. I can't do it for you. No one could do it for me. But thank God for the men and women, many of them throughout the years, who helped steer me in the right direction. Listen, if that's something you're struggling with, You find someone, I mean, you know, you know when someone's got that singular focus. You find that person, you hang around them. It it, it will come. It it will come. You learn from them. You're not inferior to them. They got something you want. So get it. Go after it. But it's a choice because we're so stinking distractible. I will close with this. 
this short. But I want to finish the end of the chapter. It's just a paragraph and a half. The real game changer for me was when I learned that I can't even love Jesus without him. We can't love Jesus without Jesus. It's not something we can stir up. Something that we, we literally, quite literally, may have to start with Jesus. I want to love you. I want to love you the way so-and-so loves you. I see it all over them. They love sick for you. Come on. And let him lead you into love. Like in the song of song. What I mean by that is I thought I should just automatically love him after learning about him and knowing that he died for me. I thought it would be like me loving my family. It would just automatically happen. It doesn't. I never even thought of asking God to help me love him. Because who does that? Is it even right? Would that be completely horrible of me to say, Jesus, I need you to help me love you because I don't love you enough. But that is exactly where freedom came for me. To realize that true love for Jesus comes from complete and utter dependency. Dependency is not weakness. Dependency is Christianity. I need him every second of every day. One of my favorite things Eric says in this book is, we look to him and live. When I stop looking at him, I stop seeing him. When I stop seeing him, I stop desiring him. When I stop desiring him, I start looking for other things. so much just on our hearts alone we don't contain the fullness of it. we contain that much of all that we're called to do here we contain this much of, of, of what God has called us to do and to be as a people and I think I can say this with, with, um, with confidence that if it's only going to be about the acts and if Jesus gets put to the side, then we're done. If I want to be known for anything, it's said I love to Jesus well. If I want this church to be known for anything, I mean, again, I have lots of acts. There's lots of things on many hearts here to do. Things that we desire to do. Things that just stir us. Oh, I'd really love to do this. I'd really love to do that. But listen, I want to be known. I want this place. It's our heart and desire that, that we be known as lovers of Jesus, people who love Him well. And that they then would see the fruit springing forth from that. The revelation of Jesus Christ. 
the only sermon we need. It's the only word that we need is Jesus. Now and always. Would you stand with me? Because it's just what we do sometimes at the end of service because everyone's about to fall asleep. Um, Perhaps. And we need to stretch. And we need blood flow. I'm going to pray. And uh, if there's... Listen, if anyone wants to rededicate their heart to the Lord, I'm, you know, if you want us to lead you through that, we can after service. If perhaps you're watching for the first time, you go, I don't know that I, I know this Jesus you're speaking of. Um, he's amazing. You know, I, I, I refer you to the Meet Jesus button at artgenoa.org. The rest of you, that's the decision you need to make. It's, it's what we're celebrating today as we baptize Jillian. You know, she's made that decision, right? She's made that decision to follow Jesus, to have him indwell. And, and we're recognizing something that's been there for a while. But now she wants to do that outward sign of the inward change that's taken place. And so we get to celebrate that together. But for right now, I just want to pray for you. And then if you need more prayer afterwards, uh, we'll be dismissed and, and we can do that. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the revelation of Jesus Christ would be all over this people. Those present, those who couldn't be here for any reason, those who are yet to come because, Lord, you keep speaking about adding to our number. But the revelation of Jesus Christ is go forth in our heart. If there's anything taking our eyes off of you, we're trusting you to reveal that, even now. And Lord, we repent for anything that we've allowed. That just keeps us from, from seeing our reflection in your eyes. This is where we desire to live. We just give you permission that if our hearts are turned elsewhere or they turn elsewhere on a daily basis, even moment by moment, Lord, just continue to move our chin, lift our eyes. You are the lifter of our heads. You desire to see us face to face. And so we give you permission to do that. Whatever way you need to, we just ask all this in Jesus' name. All right, you are dismissed. If you are in need to know where to go, please see that nice, friendly couple right there. Um, it's just on the other side of town. And uh, if, you need, if you're in need of prayer, make your way up this way and we'll do that. So if any of you are not going to see you over the next week, blessings on your week. Look forward to seeing you next week or whatever.